Hey everyone, on February 4th, Wangway Woods Disc Golf Course in Buda, Texas is hosting a fundraising tournament to help make that course permanent. That means adding permanent baskets and tee boxes and more. And Wangway Woods is the official presenting sponsor of the Magic the Gathering unofficial audiobooks podcast, which you are listening to right now. And right now, you can actually see the progress being made on the course by joining the Facebook group of Wangway Woods. That's W-O-N-G Way Woods. Also, if you can't make the tournament but would like to help out or you play disc golf, you can purchase an official custom-stamped Wangway Woods mint disc for just 22 bucks, and it'll be shipped anywhere in the U.S. Plus, you could land an Unfinity Full Art Land card with that. But that 22 bucks will all go to helping the course get built and finalized. So again, if you are in Texas, you play disc golf, head to Buda on Saturday, February 4th, behind Buck's Backyard for the Wangway Woods Fundraising Disc Golf Tournament. The rest of you disc golfers, head to the Wangway Woods Facebook page and get your disc today. You can find a link in the show notes, and you can see the discs on the Patreon or in our Discord. Wangway Woods, where the river is imaginary, but the OB is not. Hello, everyone. Welcome back into the Magic the Gathering unofficial audiobooks podcast presented by Wangway Woods Disc Golf Course in Buda, Texas. Only one big announcement today, and that's from me, as I couldn't be more excited for what is coming out in the next few weeks. Yes, it is Magic the Gathering related, but also for one of my favorite video games. You, you see, before I started reading these books, doing this podcast, I was a video game player, played a lot. I would stream, had over 100 subs, climbed my way to the top player lists in a game called Smite. Maybe some of you have played it, but I played it religiously. Uh, once I had a daughter, the streaming thing kind of went out the window. Gaming in general, for the most part. And this became the outlet for creativity and connecting, which I'm very happy for. Well, that video game, Smite, is having a crossover event where characters in that game, again, all of whom are based on like legendary gods, will be having a Magic the Gathering event. The way these work is you just play the game, you earn skins and game cosmetics, and the game is free to play. Now, they'll have a paid tier as well, as they always do, but I couldn't be more excited. So it's the smashing together of my two favorite things. It is awesome. So what I'm going to be doing, with the approval of my wife, mind you, is I'm going to be back and streaming this event. Now, it's just a grinding type event where you just play games and hit goals and unlock skins. But for this, I'm going to grind the whole damn thing. I, I, I have to. If you're interested in playing... Even if you've never played before, download it. You can join me. Or if you want to watch and see what it's all about, I'm going to fire up the old Twitch channel and maybe YouTube, but you can join me. I'll be streaming, likely nightly, three times a week for just like two or three hours. Uh, by the way, I stream at nighttime over here, which is like 9 p.m., which would mean like 7 a.m. Eastern time. So you could have breakfast with Smite and me, and maybe some of us listeners can all join together. Anyway, I plan on doing a little mini episode to break down what I think we'll see. But I'm telling you, if you're a Magic fan, which you are, this will give you an opportunity to play some of the Planeswalkers in a MOBA battlefield environment, and that is very freaking cool. My Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash brickbravo. That's B-R-I-C-K-B-R-A-V-O, brickbravo. Give me a follow, and starting on the 24th or 25th, I'll be going live. Come hang out. I'll keep the Discord posted too, so join that if you haven't. Link is in the show notes. Also, we gave away one Shadowbox Cube this month, so we still have four more to go, meaning those patrons who hit $100 US mark in the Patreon will get the Urza and Mishra Friday Night Magic Shadow Cube box. 
Also, check out the Etsy shop. We're still looking for someone to use our code. Head to the store, etsy.com slash shop slash apes in capes. Use the code MAGIC and you get 10% off your order. Okay, folks, I'm excited. We're reading magic books. We're playing video games. Get the Mountain Dew. I'll bring the Doritos. Let's do this. Chapter 13. Davol stood on a small rise that he'd shaped up from the mountainside's easy slope of dull tan flowstone. His flying disc rested upon the ground behind him, a black altar guarded by two Phyrexian soldiers standing a silent guard. On the horizon, the great volcano that held the stronghold thrust its imperial presence into the chaotic sky. It dwarfed the mountain on which he currently stood and reminded Davol of that which he ruled. A cutting wind sliced through the gaps in his armor, breathing chills against his grayish flesh and billowing his cloak out behind like the leathery wings of a giant bat out of a nightmare. The cold also gripped at his head, squeezing it in an invisible vice, except where the black Phyrexian skullcap armored and protected it even from the elements. A coruscant physical characteristic, in his mind a defect, was that the bone plates in the wide skulls never quite closed and so left a vulnerable spot over the brain, a vulnerability that Krogh had agreed to remedy, as Duvall's mind was one of importance to both Davol and the Phyrexians. Only one feature to the skullcap bothered him, the small circular indentation high over his forehead. Phyrexians did not adorn their work with art or meaningless design. That indentation had a purpose, which Krogh had not seen fit to pass on, and Devol preferred not to draw attention to by asking. You intend to attempt a transfer? Krogh's voice squealed and cracked behind him. This was not a question. Krogh obviously knew. Devol looked over his shoulder, his black eyes guarded against his surprise at being interrupted here. The member of Phyrexia's inner circle stood next to the steward's disc, a portal still open behind him and flashing as Devol's soldiers passed through and Away, back to the stronghold, no doubt. Now Devol frowned. The soldiers were a precaution since the Vec had been known to roam far from their underground city, searching the landscape. Of course, Crow could easily handle anything a common soldier could, but those guards were his, to be dismissed only by Devol himself. I am considering it, he finally admitted. It would be better if your troops do not see failure. Krogh glided forward slowly, the metal bands that formed his semblance of clothing rasping against each other. Krogh carried his staff today, a twisted metal creation with no apparent purpose. Duvall knew better than to assume such was true. Failure is too often the genesis of recycling. You might weaken their loyalty to you. Krogh had done him a favor? Perhaps. Duvall did not blind himself to the possibility that Krogh might be concerned that Guard witnessed his success. The sentries were stacking up behind the Steward of Wrath. With each passing year, he accumulated more data through which he better understood his position and that of those around him. Davol smiled, thinking that none of his race could ever have hoped for such a long life, holding the power he did. He would gain more so long as he maintained appearances and worked carefully. My appreciation, Krog. I hadn't considered that. Because he truthfully hadn't considered failure as an option. 
What would happen to the subjects if a failure occurred in mid-transference? Would the Phyrexian even know? They would be gone. Krogh said simply, Lost between worlds. It has happened before, yes. During the first Stuart's reign. That told Devol quite a lot that he hadn't known before. The most important, of course, being that Wrath's rulers had changed in the past, and by extension could easily be changed again in the future. The thought bred hope and concern both. He turned to the task at hand, staring down the slope at the smooth wash of flowstone. Devol mentally reached back to the stronghold. There, the great control machinery for transference currently lay dormant, though it, like the flowstone, was attuned to the mental commands of both Davol and Krog. The machinery sparked to life with his mental touch. When Wrath was complete, ready to provide access to Dominaria and for the armies of Phyrexia, this great machinery would overlay one to the other, the mutable quality of the flowstone bridging the gap between planes in one final expenditure. Until then, the ease of a transference was limited by many factors. The closer to Wrath's final form, the better. The size of the attempted transference and physical distance from the stronghold's control machinery made a difference as well. The only variable was apparently the strength of the mind of the steward or Evancar. As always, Duvall trusted his mental abilities. First in the valley, he sensed the machinery powering to life, softening the flowstone over an area measuring in square miles. Pressure built within his mind, an avalanche of malleable stone poised overhead, threatening to engulf him. Just beyond the promontory, the land sank as if undermined by some great cavern beneath. Edges to the valley appeared as flowstone sloughed downhill. As the flowstone continued to evacuate, the machinery built up the lower sides and generally shaped the valley into the picture Devol held for it, slightly crescent-shaped with weathered southern slopes and a steep cliff face to the north. His consciousness plunged into the land, following the forces at work. The pressure eased the incredible raw weight of the flowstone falling away as the valley took its basic form. The machinery then began to pull details from Devol's thoughts from the memory of his trip to Dominaria. The seeker opening the portal for him had promised the perfect site, enclosed and isolated and such had been delivered. Devol spent days memorizing the finer detail, from the spicy pine scent to the cool touch of dew-laden fern. Now he transferred that detail to the stronghold's control machinery, and again, his mind strained under the weight of his undertaking. Flowstone leapt up in columns and spikes filling out to become trees and bushes and grass. They stood in frozen relief, a true-to-life forest valley apparently sculpted from simple sandstone. Only, it was not so simple. It was an incredible display of power, both from Devol and from the Flowstone itself. The process continued, memory becoming reality in this artificial valley. Now buildings rose up, adding to a renewed mental weight, Never before had Devol felt his mind so completely at work, the machinery simply taking all that it allowed. He saw animals in the forest and people on the streets and walks between buildings. They moved, were alive, and many stared up into the sky, turned suddenly dark. Voices cried, shouted, and screamed. Devol stood on the threshold of worlds and planes, looking between the chaos of the multiverse as the great machinery folded one into the other. The people were aware of wrath, of him, and many fell to the ground out of abject fear for what they could not understand. Several hundred lives, the town residents, were but tiny sparks within his consciousness, their true life carried across the hole he had opened in the void, their sobs and screams of terror piercing the background roll of Wrath's eternal thunderstorm. Their tormented cries distracted Devol, forcing the machinery to pull stronger at his mind. 
Slowly, Rath Stewart sank to the ground. His hands splayed down against the flowstone promontory as he came to his knees under the stress. Still, he did not take his eyes off the valley. Then the pressure receded, and the forces raised by the machinery brought Devol back from the threshold. The tortured wailing faded. He felt a few small sparks of life evade his final grasp. Some were lost in the chaos between Rath and Dominaria. It was done. A deer sprang nearby, jumping from verdant valley to the lip of Rath's unnatural flowstone landscape. It froze in fright and scrambled back to the safety of trees and undergrowth. Far in the distance, carried to Devol by the final vestiges of his connection with the stronghold's control machinery, came the terrified cries of people now gazing into an unfamiliar and hostile sky of dark clouds and vivid lightning. These were the newest residents of Wrath. Devol smiled fully. These people would be taken as slaves. Devol planned to accelerate the schedule and bring Wrath closer to the point of final convergence. Then Wrath itself would cross the threshold and merge with Dominaria, bringing with it the armies of Phyrexia. Devol would rule Wrath and open the way for Phyrexia. He saw no other future. Even Krog would admit this now. When he turned back, Krog and the portal were gone. Devol stood alone over his valley, left with his creation. The steward laughed, his harsh voice carried away on the sharp wind. That was fine by him. He felt no desire to share the moment, preferring the solitude of his success, his first success, certainly not his last. Storm clouds over Benalia hid stars in the blurry reflection of the glimmer moon. The Null Moon, a hard point of light often mistaken for a bright star, had recently cleared the overcast horizon. Only one being in the Capuchin village of Delat knew the Null Moon's exact position, no need of direct sight to sense the satellite. Its lips curled back, revealing a feral smile of sharp, gnashing teeth. Thunder crashed, shaking clay tiles and rattling window panes. The blackness that formed inside the small courtyard had little to do with the dark Dominarian night. Pale gray flagstones reflected a cascade of lightning into the most remote corners. The bright wash bathed everything in a preternatural glow for one split second, except the round portal of pitch dark that sat tucked behind a wall of hanging plants. The home of the village magistrate framed three sides of the courtyard, the fourth opening up onto a wrought iron fence with a gate offset on the right-hand side. An engraved metal shield over the gate offered a welcome to those who passed within, Though the gate remained locked, three figures moved among the shadows of the courtyard. Lightning flashed again, the scar standing out in the dark sky for a long second as violent thunder assailed the earth. Krog already felt at home here. The electrically charged air felt invigorating, reminding the inner circle member of Wrath and certain portions of Phyrexia and something more, a sense pulling at Krog's mind in a way that more closely spoke of home and kindred. He could detect the barest scent of glistening oil, the scent exuded by meat once bathed in the vats. Krog chattered a brief acknowledgement to the seeker who had found this place. The minor Phyrexian stepped back with a groveling bow, taking a subordinate position to Krog and Devol. Devol studied the surroundings, no doubt committing every last detail to his extraordinary memory. Krog did not mind, encouraged it, in fact. Devol proved ever more useful as the centuries played out. Though he had yet to kill Urza Planeswalker, his improvements to negators could not be gainsaid, and his management of wrath was adequate, if uninspired. He had surprised Krog those months ago, able to guide a transference between wrath and Dominaria. That was not to say that the inner circle member considered the other dangerous. Devol displayed no real aggression or ambition, not in any way the Phyrexian could gauge at least. Perhaps in another century or two he could be trouble. But who could plan so far ahead when today there was so much more to accomplish? 
A twinge, more direct this time, centered Krogh's attention toward a pair of glass pane doors. He said, a simple screech of sound, pointed one skeletal finger. Rath Stewart squinted in the direction, unable to pierce the gloom so deeply as Krogh with his uncompleted eyes. Where? he asked as more lightning streaked across the sky. The doors? He moved off, his armored boots scraping against the flagstone. Krog moved quietly, making only his usual metallic rasp and the occasional scrape of metal bands against stone. With the booming thunder and a damp wind rattling the metal gate, the sounds of their passage should go unnoticed. If not, there'd be one less dominarian. Devol tried the door latches, and they opened easily on well-oiled hinges. Krog was the first through, shredding the diaphanous white curtains as he passed. He moved directly to the side of a bed on which an old man slept. Weak and frail-looking, as were most dominarians, Krog found it difficult to reconcile the dark call that pulled him toward the human. He was not a sleeper, but something very similar. Reports from dominarian agents, the sleepers, negators, and seekers who came into contact with many of the weaker races, had spoken of such humans, meat creatures with a dark affinity and a special strength building within that drew the Phyrexians toward them. Krogh had considered such reports in error, confusing the nature of humans born in black mana environments with true Phyrexian purity. The Vec and others now living in Wrath knew such empathy. Krogh had changed his opinion when he walked to Vol's new settlement. Most of the people there had fled in terror, but one did not. Donning chainmail and mounted on a similarly armored horse, he came at the Phyrexian intent on destroying Krogh, no fear or hesitation showing in his steel-blue eyes. Krogh had felt that connection then, as if both beings recognized in the other that which was black, that which was Phyrexian. It brought the human strength enough to resist and to fight. Spurring his mount, he thundered in at the alien creature with furious hatred. The inner circle member destroyed the human with very little conscious effort. He plunged his talons deep into the lesser creature's brain to draw out what final information he could. Delicious in its intensity, Krog reveled in the sensations that only meat could know. In light of this attack, Krog had come here, to the home of a banalish nobleman serving as village magistrate. Here, a seeker had recently sensed that spark of dark matter in the soul of a human. Again, Krog knew the pull toward one, not of his kind, but similar. With a gesture from the Phyrexian, the Vole placed the artifact Krog had ordered him to carry near the human's head. A braided metal cable uncoiled and slithered across the pillow to set itself into the old man's ear, whispering a series of tones and noises. At normal volume, issuing forth from one of the larger Phyrexian war engines, the sound would frighten and confuse. At sufficiently high levels, it might even be enough to interfere with the nerve processes. Here, at such a muted volume, it would merely induce a deep slumber. The human would not awaken, though he might remain aware of the nightmares that Krog would subject him to. The Phyrexian rested his left hand over the man's face, first and fifth talons rotating inward to burrow through flesh and bone above the temples and into the soft brain matter beneath. It was not enough for permanent damage, not yet, but meant to draw upon memories of the sleeping man. Krogh was searching for answers. The old man's eyes opened, alarm and then terror flashing through them, quickly replaced by a furious hatred. This was not supposed to happen. His hands came out from above the covers to fasten around Krogh's wrists. Blood ran down his arms and splashed against his face as the skin on his hands split against the razor sharpness of Krogh's construction. Still, he did not let go and actually budged Krogh's hand, forcing the talons to cut laterally through sensitive brain tissue. His hands locked as the seizures took him and the thrashed in the bed. Krogh dug deeper, 
pulling out what information he could. His name was Jaffrey Capuchin, son of Stefan and distant cousin of the current clan leader, Thomas. The concepts and context of family and clan and caste all flooded the Phyrexian's mind. There was no time to enjoy the sensations. The knowledge pulled deeper to be re-examined later as the frail body faded into death. Krogh drove inward, cracking bone and squeezing the gray meat for more. He sensed the other's affinity for Phyrexian methods and manners, the reason no doubt he had resisted the artifact. Dim images of years spent in a large clan manor swam at the Phyrexian. He saw brief memories of a battle fought in service to Benalia, an arranged marriage and the birth of two children, the death of his wife Murr and the taking of this assignment to the local village where he dispensed justice and collected taxes for his clan. Krogh withdrew his razored talons, leaving behind a pulped mess of bone fragments, brain, and blood. He turned to find Devol waiting patiently, but the seeker was no longer in the room. Devol did not wait for the question. I sent the seeker away, he said calmly. The old man was certainly never supposed to wake up and defy you. I thought it'd be better for the seeker not to see a failure here. It might cause, he paused, problems. Immune to the embarrassment of feelings, Krogh still knew of the respect due his status and that in Duvall's eyes, he was now being subject to very careful ridicule. The Phyrexian hunched down, not to diminish himself, but in preparation of attack. Though Krogh restrained himself, Duvall remained too useful a tool to dispose of at this time. Yes! He said in a metallic screech, At this time! It was not an answer to Duvall's comment, but a reinforcing of his own thoughts. Duvall apparently sensed some of the danger he stood in, turning back toward the ruined mess of a man who slowly soaked the white linen dark red. Anything useful? Use would be determined later, but certainly Krogh had been given a measure to pause and consider. There are two offspring. He said slowly, a plan formed, reflecting Duvall's efforts with the Phyrexian negators. Perhaps Crow could guide the development of a few Dominarian natives who showed affinity for the Phyrexians similar to Jaffrey. Such an empathy was rare enough to justify further investigation at the least. If such affinity could be manipulated... This he would not speak of to Duvall. It was not truly the steward's concern. This was a matter which demanded Phyrexian attention, and hope, as the steward might, Duvall would never be a Phyrexia. Never complete. Urza! Krog said, remembering one other image... Urza Planeswalker was known to this human. He has been here. Krog could not afford to take chances wherever Urza might be involved. I want an account of everywhere Urza Planeswalker has been trapped on Dominaria. Everywhere humans with a dark affinity have been noticed. Seekers must be sent to investigate those areas. If there was a relationship between the two, he would find it. A taloned hand slashed at the air between them. You will kill Urza Planeswalker. Soon. Duvall nodded slowly, obviously unable to help a look of resignation. This can be done, he said, echoing Krogh's words of so many years before. The Phyrexian did not wait for further conversation. One final glare, eyes burning like hot coals within his cavernous sockets, he stalked for the room, but back toward his portal. He had enough of Dominaria, but he would return soon.